The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, here we go. It's the Combine Podcast. Ho, ho, hello, and welcome. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You've all been very well behaved this year because Santa's brought you a special present early. Yes, it's an episode of the Combine Podcast. Hey. And today I'm joined by three of my most trusted elves. Yes. First and foremost, it's Mr. Mick Moran. Michael, how are you this fine, festive Christmas Eve? Not as pissed as you are, clearly. Second <laughs> <laughs> and down below, the editor of the Cop Art website, Mr. Daniel Mockton, Moxley Chamberlain himself. How are you? I agreed to do this on the premise that you didn't do the intro, and now I'm feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Last but certainly not least for his hat-trick appearance, third time in quick succession, may I add, he's that way. It's Tim. How are you doing, Tim? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Getting a bit festive, obviously, with the other uh, hat there, Matt. Yeah. Wee. So, this is not your ordinary episode of the Cop High Podcast, is it, lads? We are going to review all of Klopp's signings, have a bit of a chat about them, probably an argument with one specific player in mind. Uh, but we won't mention who he is yet, although many people could probably guess. Um, but firstly, I'm going to put you guys all on the spot and I'm going to ask you one by one how many players Klopp has signed and how much is his total spend? Mick, go first. Well, I've got, the, I've got the page open on LFC. Well, <laughs> you, Moxton. Oh, I don't know. I I didn't do any research, so I'm um I'm <laughs> I'm doing that. Um, I don't know. I'd say about twenty. It's twenty six. And how much does he spend? Okay. Uh, how much does he spend? I don't know. It's all added up, especially obviously with like Allison and Van Dyke and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. Six hundred million. Five hundred. Ah, oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Ten. We're not going to you clearly. <laughs> <laughs> How much is it? Oh, no. oh, that'll do. Yeah, that's close enough. I'll take that. All right. Well, I mean, we'll get I mean, I mean, his net spend is 114 million. So it's incredible considering everything is done. Tim, with the research, that's someone who's prepared and proud to be on your podcast. Get me. So, first things first, we'll start off with Klopp's first signing at the club. Can anyone tell me who that is? Marco Grijic. Go on then, Martin, you can go first. Thoughts on Marco Grijic, 5.1 more from Red Star Belgrade. 
You know, I know, I know a lot of people disagree with me, and I still get the feeling that he can offer something that the rest of our midfielders can't. I, I, I've I've always been a defender of Marco Grich, and I really like him, and I really think that he needs a shot. I think it's it obviously it hurts Berlin for two years. I mean, his former manager, Pal Dardai, there, I mean, I know it's quite a, a quote that went around quite a lot, but he described him as the best midfielder he's ever worked with. Um, he did well at Hertha Berlin. Um, not such a great loan spell so far at the moment for Porto, but um, no, I, I think Grijic deserves a shot, and I think he can, like I said, I think he can bring something to the midfield that none of the current crop can. Well, you said at the start of that that uh, many people disagree with you, and I'm definitely one of those because God damn, I don't think he's going to do anything for Liverpool, and it's frustrating because he played, he was superb for Hertha, um, and it looked like he was going to stay this year. Um, and then he got a loan to Porto. And I just feel like he keeps getting loaned out, keeps getting loaned out. And clearly, I think there's something that Klopp sees that just doesn't work. Um, I'm not sure what the rest of you think, Mick. Yeah, I think like he came back, didn't he? And he done quite well recently. And it, it looked like maybe he might stick around. But I don't know if it's ever going to happen. I mean, he's, well, he was signed in 2016. And he's not really had a proper spell in the team. So I imagine he'll probably come back after this loan spell and that'll be the end of thing because especially now we've got Thiago in there as well and I understand what Dan's saying like he Grujic provides something different but I think we've got a nice blend now without Grujic that we just need to cut ties and just let him it's not fair on him as well that we, we keep just having him tied to the club and loaning them out it's better for him to probably go out and like fend for himself and uh, uh, properly permanently at another club so well, yeah, I mean, he, he's one of those guys that's, that you see during preseason. You feel like you always think when you watch him play with this guy, he's, he might he might be a, a dark horse to squeeze into the squad this year, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with Mick in the sense. I think it's at this point, it's it's unfair to kind of you know keep him on a string basically because you know he's he's clearly a talented footballer you can tell when he plays in pre-season you can tell when he's been loaded out to other clubs he was superb for Hertha Berlin um I think it's time to just kind of like cut our ties make a bit of money on him and and kind of let let the guy go a bit but you know I, I don't think he's he's a bad player or anything like that he, he probably just doesn't yeah he probably just doesn't really fit into Klopp's system you know of, of smaller kind of look kind of Quick-paced midfielders that, that are constantly pressing and working hard. So yeah, he's. He, I think he's right. He's a different type of midfielder, but um, yeah, not not quite a clock player. I don't think. Yeah. Would we say he's been a flop then? No. How no. how much of a flop can you be for five million quid? You, you don't really have high that expectations. That point is coming back later. Yeah, well done. I love it. Yeah, I, I just think I, 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 obviously I've already said that I do like Rich. I think Flop's hard one. I agree that he probably won't get, get be given a chance, and he probably will be sold on in the summer permanently once and for all. And, and I do agree that it would be fair to let him go and have that chance. But um, I don't think for five million, I don't think he's a flop, especially considering he's almost certainly going to bring in a pretty healthy profit as well. Yeah. All right, so for all these players, I'm going to ask everyone for like a standout moment that they can think of that player. Now, I'm going to get. I'm pretty sure that we've all got the same one for Grujic, that header against Barca in preseason. That's pretty much all he's done. So swiftly moving on, then to Klopp's next signing, the world class loan in of Stephen Corker from Queens Park Rangers. That was weird, wasn't it? Uh, Mick, you can go first. Yeah, that was what. What did he play like? 
four games in total. I think didn't he go up front as well for one? I think was it the Norwich the Norwich game with a five four, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure all of his appearances were off the bench and as an auxiliary striker. I don't think he played in defence once. It was yeah. very just, just that was just a mental. That was just a mental sign, and that was just. And like you said, you can't even like define it as a flop because, like, play for play four games and like went up front rather than playing centre half. So how do, how do you how do you like define what? Flop is, yeah. I suppose we'll come to that when we get to a certain Loris and uh, Matt will be backtracking. Uh, nah, yeah, uh, Tim Moxon, if you've got anything to add on Stephen Corker, as Mitch Mick pretty much covered it, a bit of a bit of a nothing signing, just played in that Norwich match, and that's what we're remembering for. Pretty much, yeah. Set up a goal for Lallana, nice one, lad, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of them ones where it's just kind of like, I, I think all of Klopp signings seem to have had a direction. That one just, just no no sense. It was just kind of like, oh, we're just going to pull this guy in and play him on the other end of the pitch that he normally does, you know? So, yeah, it was a bit of a weird one. That's that's pretty much how I'd summarise that. I mean, not not much else to say about it. All right, yeah. well, next, I think it was a stand-up memory would be the Norwich game, wouldn't it? It didn't really include that much. Okay, so next we have Camille Grabara, which again he's been on loan a few gone on loan a few times. I think he's on loan now as well. Um maybe one for the future, but now with the the uh, what Keller has been doing the last few games, you don't really see him sticking around at Liverpool. I can't really I think when he comes back and he sees Kelleher, Allison and possibly a certain other goalkeeper still at the club, he might he might want to bounce. Um Anything to say about Gabara, anyone or no? No. Yeah, he's, he's been on loan at Aarhus um, in Denmark, and he's been struggling this season as well. He's he's had quite a bit of stick from uh, fans over in Denmark this season. So, um, yeah, not likely that he's going to come back and make any sort of impact. Well, this is the the first one that's going to get a real discussion going. Next, it's a certain Mister Sadio Mane. Okay, so third email from Southampton. Everyone other than Liverpool fans, even some Liverpool fans at the time of this transfer were saying, what the hell are we paying £30 million for Stadio Mane for? Making all those Southampton jokes for Liverpool. Um, well, looking back at it now, four years on, what are we saying, Tim? Um, probably the bargain of the century. <laughs> £30 million for arguably the, the, the best left, left winger since he signed in, in the world. Um, <clears throat> a Premier League, a Champions League... You know he's he's not been on the sidelines during that. He's been as as big a part of as as anyone else in those th- in those games in the in those trophies. He's scored massively important goals. He's he's been absolutely superb, absolutely superb. But you put him on the market now, and I don't think you'd get anything less than hundred million for him. So paying thirty million pounds for him, although it seemed at the time a questionable decision, it's. Uh, yeah, you look back on it and go, "Well, that was that was some seriously good business." Yeah, and he's he is the first big uh, signing that Klopp made for Liverpool. He is the first of of a wave of, of stellar signings that we'll come to talk about. Um, how much importance, um, Mick, do you give on Mane's initial signing? Well, it's huge, isn't it? When you look when you look back with hindsight, that was the big one that kind of got the. The ball rolling, and like you just look at it. I'm just looking now at his numbers, like for in, just in the Premier League. Like first season, 13 goals, second season, 10, then he got 22, 
18 and now he's got five so far this season i think for a for a, for a winger it's 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 an exceptional like i know most on the other side just making it look so easy but him on the other side makes it look equally as easy i mean he doesn't get as many goals as salah but in terms of all-round play he was just he, he was the guy that came to the club and like you said matthew uh, was a load of question marks over the the price and if if we if he could go on to be what we needed then when you can look back now and laugh at that it's it's it is a, it's a great thing to do when you look back at like i think it's like a sky sports tweet like uh mane pay uh, liverpool play 34 million for mane and there's like loads of man united fans like going oh overpriced uh, he's just a shit jesse lingard and all this and it's just like how wrong how wrong could you be and it's just like yeah he's he's now the he's the best left winger in the world for me by a long way I remember to, be fair, to be fair, Mick, Jesse Lingard's a, a young talent that's going to come good one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or something like that. Yeah, still got plenty of time. Yeah, I remember when we signed Manny, it was, it was definitely standout in the lineup because we were so slow going forward. I think we had the likes of, I think Ricky Lambert was still banging about, <laughs> or, and we had Lalana, and our front line was just, it was slow. And then all of a sudden, this guy came in and he was just electric. And I, I don't think I gave him the credit he deserved until he left for the Cup of Nations in his first year. And that run from like January to February where we couldn't win a game because he was missing was just... It, it, it made me realise how uh, how important he had quickly become to Liverpool. I remember I was working in, in Anfield with a certain Mr. Certain Mr. Moxley and... It was apparent when Mane wasn't playing. So that's when I realised how important he was. When did you, Dan? For me, it's it's not necessarily time, but it's, it's when we started to sort of appreciate that it's not just going forward that Mane is important, but also it's his defensive work as well. And the partnership ever since Andy Robertson's become our starting left-back as well, the partnership he's got with Robertson on that left-hand side, again, both going forward and in terms of defence as well, it's just remarkable. And obviously the way we play, we like our attacking fullbacks and Robbo and Trent are really important to how we create going forward. Um, but of course, that can leave you a little bit exposed at the back sometimes. And the work rate of Sadio Mane on that left-hand side to help cover Robertson is a massive part of um, what he brings to this team. So that, for me, is probably one of his most important attributes. So I think we're all in agreement that Mane is the furthest thing from a flop that there can be. So. Yeah. I'll go around the group then. Favourite Mane moment, Mick? Um, I always just think of, I think it was, wasn't it his debut against Arsenal where he scored that goal, like cut in from the from the right hand side and just buries it top corner. Yeah. That's got to be up there for one of them with me, for, for me. He was just, um, from that moment, you could just see like what, what, what was to come because he was just, he's just on his day. You can have three people marking him, and you just—he's still going to beat all three. Yeah, that's that's how good he is. And I think that that goal against Arsenal was just the the realization that, that we've got an absolute superstar in our hands here, and under Klopp, he's just going to get better, and he has. That's all. That, he's only got better every season. So yeah, that'll be mine. Celebration as well, jumping on Klopp's back. Remember it vividly. My my first thought whenever I think of Sadio Mane is the goal at Bayern Munich the year we won the Champions League yeah. Yeah. because some that play sums him up he runs it behind and no one can keep up to him it's a it's a ball played from about 50 meters away and he controls it on a dime he turns the keeper and then chips the defender that's coming and it just sums him up he's there's nothing that man can't do 
you know, and every time I think of Sadio Mane, that is the first sequence that comes into my head. And it just shows that he is a class above anything we thought he was going to be. Moxon? Uh, hard to top those two, to be honest. Um, and Dan there in, in the comments as well, his winner at Goodison in the uh, the Merry Christmas Everton game. Um, that was a good one as well. Um, for me, I remember, I know, I know obviously we remember this game for all the wrong reasons, the, the final in Kiev, but um, even after we'd gone 1-0 down and then Manny got that uh, goal to sort of get us back into the game, I remember that was the first time in that entire match that I had felt sort of, right, here we go, the, the, the game's on now, and obviously we know that that ended poorly, but um, Manny in that game, you could see how determined, especially after Salah had been forced off as well, He all, like, all of our hopes were just on on Sadio Mane, and I remember just how up for that game he was, and I think it just typifies how he approaches every game, really, he's, he's such a winner, he just wants to win everything, and um, even uh, the Palace game just gone, when he gets subbed off, because even though we know he knows that he's just being rested, but he knows there's goals out there for him and he knew he could have grabbed a hat-trick in that game. And he, he just wants to score goals and he wants to win football matches. And that's what I love about him. Well, you guys are taking all the fucking good ones. Uh, <laughs> I think then, I mean, all his moments are brilliant, but I remember one specifically, I think it was I think it was City in the Champions League, the first leg, when it was a counter-attack and he sort of slowed play down and he was outside the box and he looked like he was going to hit it with his left foot. And I was like, please don't waste this chance. And then he just buries it in the top corner. And I was like, well, that shows what I know about football because he's just made Edison look like a fool. So, yeah, that's that's uh, the brilliance of Sadio Mane. Now, next, there's two players that signed on the 1st of July. Uh, let's talk about Joe Matip first. Free transfer from, from Schalke. There was only uh, one sign that day, wasn't he? Nah, ah, shut up. Joe uh, <laughs> Matip from, from Schalke. I stand by the fact that on his day, when he's fit and firing, Joel Matip is one of the best centre-backs in the world. Dan, thoughts? He is. And, I mean, in, in terms of aerially, we all talk about, when we talk about Virgil, one of the things that we see about him is just how strong and powerful and commanding he is, wins every header, etc., I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that last season, Matip's aerial success rate was better than any other defender in Europe. He's an absolute monster in the air. And for a lad of his size and awkwardness as well, he's much better with his feet than you'd expect him to be as well. Um, he's, he's, just, he's just a really good all-round defender. And, and as far as free signings go, probably one of the only people that can rival James Milner. 100%. Tim? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally agree. I think that he's... He's had he's had a bad luck. He's had some bad luck with his injuries, but when he's in the squad, you can't you can't really ever fault him because he's not he he's he's very rarely makes a mistake. He's really really good, good on the ball. And talking about his aerial dominance, he's a threat going forward as well. You know, we saw you know even even on on the weekend against Crystal Palace, you know, he set up that Moisella goal because he's rising above one or two defenders and 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 getting his head on the ball. So yeah, I mean, in terms of of a free transfer, I don't like you say. I think that the only guy that he that can rival James Milner because he's been absolutely superb. He's partnered up with Van Dijk or Fabinho and being consistent when he's on the field. And I mean, that's all you can really ask from from a free transfer. So yeah, no, he's been a superb, superb, another superb piece of business. Yeah, I mean, I think what, what the the best moment or the, the most 
consecutive pieces of Matip that we've seen was when we signed Virgil and then Matip, I think for the first time his Liverpool career, was able to go like months on this massive fitness run where he was sound. And that partnership that we had of Matip and Van Dijk just carried us on this amazing streak in the league and took us to Kiev. Um, that's what I think about. And, and that's what, whenever he gets on the pitch, that's what I'm hoping that he stays like that. But lately, he's been incorporated back in the side. He's doing well, isn't he? And he's managing to keep fit. Fingers crossed. Hope we're not jinxing it here, but should be all right, shouldn't we? Well, apart from the, what was it, the back spasm the other day when he was uh, missed, the, missed the game. But yeah, he's just, if he was a bit more, it was, if his body was a bit more, structurally sound and he was able to play for a prolonged period of time without getting injured then he'd, he'd go down as probably one of the best we've had because like I said in terms of free transfer it's ridiculous that he, he was free I know you guys touched on uh, Millie but like top five would be probably Millie Matip uh, Gary Mach uh, maybe Fabio Aurelio and maybe Bolo Zenden and if you think like Matip is probably I mean I mean like Milner's great in that but in terms of how good he is in that position. Like Millie was coming toward is coming towards the end of the career and was when we signed him. Matip's just been like unbelievable. And he 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 makes us as good as we are when it, when he's fit and is on top of his game. There's not many better than him in, in world football for me. So yeah, he was one of the signings that pushed us on even further. It was just these like that was the thing with Klopp. It was these little little building blocks that he bought just to kind of push us along the way. And you don't think at the time that they're gonna be as good as they are, especially when you get a free transfer, you're not expecting them world from them but he's he's gave us so much and it, it is just a shame that he is quite injury prone same with uh, Joe Gomez that they can't can't go prolonged periods without getting a, a little niggling injury but yeah apart from that he's he's world class for me apart from the football he's, he's given us the, the greatness that is no context Joe Matip on <laughs> it's incredible I think for, for my standout moment of John Matip has to be that angry walk after Thiago got clattered by Richarlison at the derby. That's just, uh, that, that, that little shuffle's amazing to me. I don't know if any of you've got a better one. For me, um, my favourite sort of, because that was one of the things I love about Matip. Obviously, we, I feel like I'm doing him a disservice a little bit because obviously the main part of him is the fact that he's just a cracking player, but he's just, he's, he's really funny, but I get the feeling he's one of those people who doesn't know that he's funny. Yeah, if you get what I mean, like he says things and he's being absolutely deadly serious, and everyone else around him is like rolling on the floor. It's like, do you remember that um, video that that the club released on their channels? I think it was with the uh, the coconut milk company that they were sponsored with, yeah. and he went on that like massive random fact about coconuts or something like that, and then just it was an outtake of it, and everyone around the table, you've just got Firmino, Curtis Jones, Robbo, and stuff like that, just absolutely in bits laughing. And he's just sat there just thinking, like, I've just read my line. Why are you all laughing? And it's just because he's, he's just he's just one of those people that is just so, so funny. But like, you get you get the feeling that he doesn't think he is. I think it's just his voice, isn't it, I think? It's just, yeah. it's just got a proper, like, squeaky German accent. And it's just like, he just, he just sounds like, he's six foot five. He should have a deep voice, but he just sounds like an umpa or something. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so we'll leave, we'll leave Matt up on a high and now it's it's it's, it's time to fight, guys. Uh, up next is the signing of a certain Loris Carriers from Mainz for 4.7 million. Now, I think we'll, we'll do the standout memory first because I feel like that's that's what the guy gets judged on. I feel like it's all the same. It's the those incidents in Kiev. Um, 
and that that's very much what his Liverpool career has been uh, has been clouded by, shall we say? But Mick, you hate the guy, so we'll go to you first. I think Thanks. hate is a strong word. You did. I joked about it off air last week, but I don't hate anyone. Hate is a very strong word. We all dislike him for what he did in Kiev, but like the price we paid. Every time we do a podcast, that fucking phone goes off. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah, anyway, yeah, uh, for the price we paid, I know, I know what you mean in terms of we can't really expect the world from him, but. He was shit. Let's be honest. He was shit. Like he 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 done all right in that run up to the to the final, but I'm sorry, doing that in a Champions League final is unforgivable for me. And uh, I think the game after when he came back after the the preseason after, and he done that, he done something similar against Tramia. It was just writings on the wall for him. And I think we we had a proper chat with me last week after the other pod we did for like an hour, saying like going into detail on this. And I think he was just one of them that's mentally a bit too weak to play for a big club. Like he's probably good enough to play like maybe mid table prem team or maybe championship or something like that. But for a top top tier club, he just hasn't got it got it up in in, in the mentality stakes to to, um, to perform at the highest level for me. So I think that's why. But I don't I don't hate him. I, I, I just I think you're trying to trying to cause some controversy here, aren't you, Matt? Because you yeah. you love him and you get like a cut of his um, modeling checks or whatever. I don't know what, I don't know, I don't know what you've got going on with him. <laughs> we'll get to me in a minute, Tim. You don't think that? Um, yeah, I mean, listen, he came, he came in and he's he's clearly very talented. You know, he's a big guy. He's athletic. You know, um, but he's just one of those guys where you think that he was he's a bit young and the the brights were a bit too light. the The lights were a bit too bright for him, and. I mean, yeah. I mean, Dan Jay just made a comment there that he's vital because of you know he we'd never would have gone for Allison, but I feel like as much as that's something for him, it's also something against them because that tells you how bad he was. Um, but yeah, you know there was there were signs the the Roma game, you know where he he you know tried to catch something and pushed it onto the bar. Um, I mean, he's he had he had a goal and an assist in the Champions League final in in my in my book. So as a goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, I it, listen for four point seven million pounds. It's hard to say he's a flop, but considering he cost us a, a major piece of silverware, it is. It is. He he was a flop. Yeah, Daniel. I'm going to do something that I very rarely do, and and it it, it hurts me to do it because it involves agree, agreeing with Matt Ramirez. Um, I mean, first of all, I've got to say, obviously, he, he can never play for Liverpool again. We we all know that. He just, I agree that he he doesn't have it in in the mentality section. That it, what happened in Kiev, and then as Mick said um, against Tranmere in the uh, preseason friendly, sort of not long after as well. He's, it's clear that his confidence it, it'll probably never ever get back to where it was. That final will haunt his career forever. But in the build up to it. He was in, he'd finally sort of wrestled the number one shirt off of Mignolet. He had performed pretty well. I mean, he played 19 Premier League games that season, 10 clean sheets, only conceded 14 goals. That's pretty decent numbers. He he really had started sort of to establish himself, really, and then that obviously came at the... His, his nightmare game came at the worst possible time, and, and, and that ruined everything, really. 
But also, uh, Dan J again in the comments, I'm getting a bit worried about him because he's saying everything that I'm about to say and he's completely rendering me pointless on this podcast. But um, we, we, it's, it's absolutely right. Without it, there, there you go. With, without that mistake, that might be, of everything that's happened in the last few years for Liverpool Football Club, that might be the most important moment of all of it. Because even though it meant that we lost that final, had we, or had even if we'd have lost the final, but Carriers had played well, chances are we probably wouldn't have gone searching for a new goalkeeper. So, and and obviously we not we all know the impact Allison's had, and we'll we'll talk about him a little later on in in this episode. But um, I, I I feel bad for Loris Carriers, and even though that mistake, as we say, will haunt his career, and it probably means that even though he's still technically a Liverpool player, he will never play for the club again. At the same time, I think he was a pretty decent goalkeeper who just had some really, really bad luck and that it's pretty much ruined his chances of ever having a decent career with the club. My turn. Here we go. <laughs> okay. I just, I just mute Matt with there one sec. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Like it's, it's, you all know that I think at least he was definitely worth at least worth what we paid for him. I mean, four million gets you uh, an ageing Darren Randolph, and I think if we're looking at it objectively, Loris Carriers definitely performed better than what four million suggests, considering what we could have bought. Obviously, what he did in the Champions League final was inexcusable, <clears throat> and unfortunately, I suppose that's what you get when you sign a four million pound goalkeeper. But in the run up to that, and in parts throughout the season, he was a decent goalkeeper and I think when, when people look back at him I think they fail to see the things that he did right because his mistake was just so glaring so obvious he did cost us a Champions League that or I can't say he cost us a Champions League because you don't know what would have happened without those mistakes but he did basically hand it to Madrid but other than that and I know that's something that's very hard to ignore the guy was definitely worth at least worth the transfer fee and I mean, we were talking about it the other day. If if his head was in the right place, he'd easily have the number two jersey instead of Adrian. It would be, be a debate between him and Kelleher at the moment, but he'd easily have the number two. And it is just a shame that his head went. But, I mean, if I made those mistakes in the Champions League final, my head would go as well. Matt is not talking crap. Thank you very much. Um, but, yeah, like I, I feel bad for the guy. I think he's definitely, like I said, definitely worth the money we paid for him. Just unfortunate that... He made those mistakes in a Champions League final instead of a Carabao Cup round six or whatever. So uh, I don't think we'll play for Liverpool again. My, I'd, I guess I'd like, it's in a sentimental way, I'd like to see him back in a Liverpool shirt, but I, don't, I wouldn't trust him at all. <laughs> no, very okay, let's, let's let's talk about what happened on the one we were done last week after we, where we went recording, where it was me, you, and Tim. So you started saying that you think. Carius is going to come back as the number two, and you then you went. I'll bet you a tenner. Yep. Then Tim went. Oh, but we've got Keller now, and you went. Oh yeah. Oh, don't worry about the bet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much faith you've got in him. Now he can come back as a number three, as far as I'm concerned. But apparently, he might be back in January because Union Berlin are looking to send him back. Um, well, well, I mean, put it this way, that's the second club that have sent him back. We've loaned him out to Besiktas, sent him back, loaned him out to Herfelin now, sent him back. So, I mean, 
understand that, you know, that maybe you feel like he had a bit of a run of a games where he was decent. But I mean, when you look at it, his he had 10 clean sheets in the Premier League that year, the year of the mistakes. Eight of those came after the Virgil van Dijk signing. Which Both is like a solid thanks to Loris Carriers. Yeah, get out of here. I don't know why I said that because I know that's going to get cut and taken out of context and put all over to it now. You're going to get this. It was a joke. I need to clarify that that was a joke. I'm sorry. Nah, but I'd say, look, he's, he's, Alison is, is much better. There's, there's no comparison. I'm glad that we've got Alison. I just think that, that um, Carrius was worth more than what we paid for him. So I don't think we can be. Too unhappy with uh, with the transfer, considering the player we got in return. Shall we move Moving on? Moving on. <laughs> I think we're going to skip the next one because it's Alex Manninger. I don't think anyone has anything of note to say about Alex Manninger, have we? Raggy, four point two mil, Augsburg. He came in and did exactly what he was supposed to do. Uh, stole a goal off Dayan Lovren against Burnley. What a legend! Um, he looked solid enough, I mean, for four million, didn't he? Damn. I mean, all right, he was never a well-beaten player, but a pretty decent defender, a bit of a cult hero. Um, as we said, the the, the Burnley uh, winner in the last or oh, in injury time that um, that will forever be his 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 big moment. Um, but also the pointless skills that he used to do um, when there was no one within 30 yards of him as well. Um, that was one of my favourite aspects. But uh, yeah, no, a solid player, as you say, 4.2 million. You can't really go wrong for that sort of money. Pretty decent addition and um, did a solid job when he was needed. I'd like to highlight that Moxon just said can't go wrong with 4.2 million. That's another argument for the carrier's argument. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. Tim, Ragnar Klavan, go. Um, well, we bought it for 4.2 million and he didn't cost us a Champions League final, so he was fairly <laughs> deep. <laughs> no, but he's yeah, I mean, he, he came in and he did a job. I mean, he was always a backup centre back. I don't think Klopp had ever eyed him up as a, a Van Dyke level player or a guy who was really going to ever consistently play along him. I think he was always there to do a, a job and he was fairly consistent. You know, you couldn't really take it away. And, and like Dan said, you know, it's a uh, you know his 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 skills were were you know I I pop in and he will always be one. Of, I mean I can tell you my favourite moment of his now is is that that turn where the ball got played across kind of like the halfway line and you know his his famous turn where he you know, turned the air. <laughs> but yeah, he 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 came and did the job. So you can't you can't really badmouth him in in any way and say he was a flop. So okay, Mick, anything to add or pretty much the same things, isn't it? Uh, I think we signed him when he was 31, so it's like we can't expect anything amazing. Like that, that goal he got against Burnley was like obviously his best moment, but the little cheeky step overs where he's he's no one's within like a mile radius of him, and it's like that is just typical raggy. But yeah, a good player. Like I think wouldn't say underrated in terms of how good he was, but I thought he was a good ball playing like defender. Like I'm not going to put him up with the Aggers of the world and Van Dykes and whatever. And, Stuff like that, but he was good. Like he, he would have been the best centre back for the probably the bottom half of, of the league if if he would have went to a different club rather than Liverpool at that time. Because I think he was quite good. It was just a shame that we had more in favour uh, centre half at the time that he didn't get enough time. But he was thirty one and he stayed till he was thirty three. So it was the right time for him to go. And I think I don't think he can be a flop because he came in and done a good job for us. And 
think he's just a middle of the road signing, wasn't he? Really? I firmly believe he came in with the mindset of "I'm going to do some wacky shit just so I'm memorable," uh, <laughs> and he did. So fair play to him. Before we went live today, right? Um, Tim, being the consummate professional, we arrived early, and we were discussing the fact that this next signing is just the the starting point for just an explosion of talent that clock just smashes with every signing since this guy now like Mane, a lot of eyebrows were raised in the signing of genie wine for 25 million because i believe didn't newcastle get relegated when we signed him yeah um and he very much underperformed newcastle fans were laughing at the fact that we'd paid 25 million for a guy that they were convinced just had down tools and had a horrible attitude and we've just not seeing that side to Genie Wijnaldum because he has been vital in our midfield, hasn't he, Tim? I think he's the guy who sums up Klopp's style of play most. Klopp's style of player most. Hard-working, play pretty much any ball, can get get all the, all, all the important goals. He scores a lot of important goals. You know, he's he's the kind of player that you need on a side when you're looking to win trophies because he'll be available for you every game. He's going to do the same job every time, you know, and he's he's he is and has developed into a world-class midfielder. And he, he fits Klopp's system perfectly. And again, when you look at 25 million now, you got to look at it now and, you know, he, he would probably wouldn't go for anything less than double that. So you have to consider it another fantastic piece of business and... You know what? What a signing he's been. I mean, Mick, you'd echo those thoughts, wouldn't you, Mick? Hundred percent. And I think it's like I said, another building block. And I think he didn't he get that vital goal against Middlesbrough, wasn't it, to get us yeah. to put us in the Champions League? I don't think you can understate that, that the importance of that goal. And I think you see, you, you could see what it meant to him and the rest of the players when that when that goal went in. But yeah, like the goals against um, Barca, like just. Unbelievable player, like he really is. Like the fact that, like, when Thiago rumors about Thiago coming in, and everyone was saying, Well, it's time for one album to leave, and like people saying, like Let's get him out the door, and people were trying to get him out. Like, and it's just like, Why? Like, because his form dropped slightly and he wasn't performing the same, it was like there was like a big like a witch hunt on, on social media to try and get rid of him. But he's proved in this season, definitely the last, last five, six games, probably more than that. Like his energy and his form has just came back tenfold. Like running to into the flanks, left wing in like eighty fifth minute. Like his energy is just you, you can't match it. And his ball playing ability, like and like Tim said, he is a perfect Klopp player. Like he he knows that midfield system better than anyone. And we need to keep him around because players that we bring in, they're going to need to look at Genie Van Alden and copy his style and copy the stuff that he does to make. The transition from him to the next player as seamless as it can be. I agree. And what, what we've talked about it before on the podcast, what I've found so impressive about Gene is his concentration levels and his ability to adapt. Because the role he plays for Holland is completely different to the one he plays for Liverpool. Um, and he's never lacking. You never see him go on these mazy runs when he doesn't need, when he's got no business doing it. He's always in the right position at the right time to cut out play. And, and it's vital. It is vital. And he's just been one of the most important midfielders that we have, isn't it? Isn't he, Dan? It really is. And, and he's proven this season amid all the the plethora of injuries that we've had, everyone's getting crocs. But the one constant in that midfield 
is that Jamie Wijnaldum's been there. He's played not every minute, but a lot of it, and he's 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 constantly the person that that does the legwork tirelessly in that midfield. And it's incredible that there was ever any question over his 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 mentality or over his his concentration levels or willingness to work for the team at Newcastle because ever since he's been at Liverpool he's, he's given 100% blood, sweat, tears, everything else to the club and to the badge and obviously we talk about that and um, even though he does have a more advanced role as you say when he does play with the Netherlands while we're here at Liverpool he doesn't necessarily get involved in too many sort of big moments offensively but um, his standout Liverpool moment of course will be the Massive, massive role that he played off the bench um, in that 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 game against Barcelona. I mean, he was clearly angry about not starting the game, and then as soon as he came on at half time, Barcelona were doomed. Yeah, and it surprises me for someone who's not exactly huge how good he is in the air. Like he scored a few hundred for us. He does it regularly for the Netherlands. It just it amazes me, and and I. I'm not sure what you guys think, but I, I'm really hoping that we can sort something out and get him a, a contract extension because I, I don't think that we've seen... I don't think he's ready to decline yet. Um, I think our midfield is a lot stronger with him in it than with him not in it. Um, and I know we've got Thiago yet to come and we've got Fabi and Hendo, but you can't have too many world-class midfielders and he's definitely up there as world-class, isn't he? So... The Vasa one is definitely everyone's moment of Genie Wijnaldum. So instead of talking about that, let's just go around the group, see if you would give him an extension. And would it be at all costs, Daniel? I mean, it's hard to argue against giving him an extension, really. Um, I'm going to... No, I'm not going to try. I was going to try just so that we didn't have three people all saying the same thing. But I, I I can't say a bad word about him. He's... I agree with that there. I think this has possibly been his best season just because of how vital he's been with a new player getting injured every single game, pretty much is how it felt at some point. But again, like I said, the one constant there was Wijnaldum doing all the legwork in midfield and and just putting absolutely everything into the game. So, I mean, th- there's rumours that apparently he wants to double his wages or whatever, and I know that we've got a really tight wage structure at Liverpool, and if, if there is anything holding it up, that probably is that. Um, but I, I, I think it's worth paying. I think the only way that, in in my opinion, the only way that Wijnaldum doesn't sign is if, in his head, he's decided that he wants a fresh challenge. And if he's decided that, then so be it. You can't do anything about that. Yeah. But if there's any chance of, if it's financial or anything like that, I think Liverpool have to do everything they can to keep him. Yeah, exactly the same. Like The only reason he's going to leave is if he fancies a, a change of system, Like unless he's getting a bit sick of playing that quite structured role and not get and like you said for Netherlands he gets amongst the goals and he can do that he proved that it was the game against Wolves where he scored that belter so he's got that he's got that in his locker it's whether he wants to have a, have a new challenge and go and do that and go and do that and score some goals for someone else in a different league maybe but apart from that like he's just turned 30 last month I think so I understand Liverpool's stance saying like um they don't want to tie him down to like a four-year contract on loads of money because who knows how valuable he's going to be in four years, which I st- still think he'll be really valuable in four years because he's got he's got that energy and he's got the he's got that um tenacity in, in, in midfield to that will obviously dwindle as the, as those years tick by. Obviously that as as age that, that that comes naturally, but I still think he can be in and around this team for at least three years. So for me, a three-year contract to keep to keep him in the club. And like I said before, like the, the next the players that are coming through can look to him for a source of inspiration and how to 
like I imagine Klopp will say, if you want to learn the system, just look at what Genie Van Alden does. So from that basis alone, it, we've got to keep, we've got to keep him. Well, interestingly enough, I mean, I mean, we've brought up his his role for for the Netherlands, and I actually think that Fabinho's form at centre back has opened up questions about kind of his his kind of like ability to resign. Because for me, I think he, I again, like like Dan said, if you're Liverpool and you have the ability to resign him for the money that he's happy with, you do it. I think he's been, like I say, the most consummate prof- professional on the team. He's been, you know, you know, I don't think he's missed the game that he's been called on, you know, since since Klopp signed him. Um, but I think that with Fabinho's form at centre back, I think with the return of Van Dijk coming or scheduled in, kind of at March time with the videos he's releasing and, and how good he's looking, I would actually have Fabinho lined up at centre-back and have Thiago at the number six and unlock that Netherlands Wijnaldum and have some goals out of the midfield because I think he's got a bit of Oxlade-Chamberlain in him. I think that he looks at from outside the box and says, oh, I kind of fancy this, but... and then plays a ball into the, you know out to the wing. So I think that keep him happy in terms of his wages and then, if we can, and then kind of let him play that Netherlands more advanced role with Thiago coming in at the uh, to play Fabinho's role, which... By, by all means, and, and what it looks like from what he's shown so far, he, he will be able to do that too. So I think that it's actually worked weirdly in, in much the opposite way that we all expected it to when we brought Diago in as seemingly a replacement for him at the end of the year. Yep. Can we just have Tim saying Thiago and Fabinho on loop for the rest of this pod? <laughs> I was going to say my favourite part of this the, the level of effort that you put into correctly pronouncing Thiago and Fabinho. I'm really enjoying that, so thank you. <laughs> Start doing it with the English players like a James Milner or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hammers. I think the only bad thing I could say about Genie Wijnaldum is the fact that uh, Steve uh, McManaman refuses to get his name right and just consistently calls him Gigi. Oh, Gigi. I've noticed that Steve McManaman, every time I've heard him commentate, he says, glorious isolation. So next time you watch a game, wait, <laughs> listen out for glorious isolation because he uses it once <laughs> a fucking game. Like, fuck now, Mac, I get some new material, mate. Fucking hell. <laughs> Yeah, I think it, it's that. It's Gigi, and it's instead of Firmino, it's Firmino. And I just Firmino. don't know the other eye from it. just it winds me up to mind. <laughs> Not to mention that every time he responds to a question asked by him about Darren Fletcher, he just says, It's right, Fletch. <laughs> every single thing. That's th- th- Those things that were just picked up there, that's like 75% of Steve McManaman's vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, if he wants to defend himself, he can come on the podcast. <laughs> All right, next is another, another massive one. It's uh, just, a, just, just you know, you, you, random little Egyptian called Mo, uh, signed for 43.9 mil from Roma. Um, and again, people taking the absolute piss out of Liverpool because of what Mo did for Chelsea. But I'm not going to explain what he's done. I'm going to let you guys explain what he's done. And I'm going to start with Mick. Just look at his numbers. I'm just looking at his numbers now, which I have, because I absolutely love the fella. Like 32 goals in his first season, that's 44 in total. 
32 in the league, then 22 in the league, then 19 in the league, now 13 in the league. I, th- I honestly think he could beat the 32 this season because there's still, what, 24 games left and he needs 20 goals to beat her. I honestly think he could do it. Like I know he's taken penalties in that as well, so he's got more of a chance, but he what a signing. I mean, like going away to Chelsea and it not working out, then going to Fiorentina and then Roma and then taking the risk coming back to the Premier League to prove a point and getting 44 goals in your first season and get, getting, then getting called a one-season wonder, then going out again and smashing it again and then just continuously smashing it every season. He is like... For me, he's he's probably my favourite player, to be honest, because I just that without him, I don't think we get anywhere. Obviously, there's a load of building blocks, like we said, that like big signings that I've made is what we are. But his just like it's greed in front of goal has put us where we are. Like, the, the amount of goals he scored has just made us win win the last two titles because like the Champions League and and the, and the Premier League because he is just that good and I mean like a lot of talk recently isn't he with like uh, Real Madrid and whatever else or Barcelona could he go there at, at some point and I don't see why he would because I think he's 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 getting closer to thirty now I don't know if that chance has gone like I don't, I don't know I don't see why they'd go unless Barcelona were offering amazing money and they were gonna build a team around him and he's gonna be Messi's heir and all, all this untold success that the that, that the promising him unless that happens and he gets convinced i don't see why he'd go because he's he is like a star player like he, he always gets the goals i don't think he gets enough credit i mean i wrote a, a piece on the website i think it was last year about like not, him not getting the credit and i still don't think he does to an extent i don't know i think he's starting to get a bit more now but even still there's certain sections that even when you're looking through like rival fans is like twit like tweets and it's Hazard's still better than them, and or like Hazard's still a better player. And I'm just like, are you watching the same player? Because Hazard was great, obviously, but for me, he's he will go down as one of the one of the best Premier League wingers slash strikers that there's ever been. Easily, that's that's, that's the biggest compliment I can pay him. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. I mean, I don't think he'll go to Barca because they're just imploding at the minute. And when Messi leaves, that, that team's going to take some time before it, it's back to what Barca should be like. Uh, but regarding Mo, like, I think he has to be the best disrespected player that I've ever seen because his numbers are ridiculous. But he's still constantly thought of as, oh, it's it's one season wonder, two season wonder, three season wonder. People are waiting for this guy to stop scoring, and he's just taking it to other levels completely. And this year, he's he's on point to beat his record from our first season. So, I mean, is there any stopping Mo Salah, Dan? I don't know if there is. I think the only thing that could stop Salah is obviously, I mean, touch wood and hope that it doesn't happen an injury. Or I think the only other thing that could stop Salah is, and I know this sounds a bit thing, but it's himself. The only way that he could possibly not beat that first season's total now, because as you say, 13 goals in, I think it's 13 games as well, isn't it? Yeah. So he's literally scoring a goal a game at this rate. And it's hard to keep that. And it's, it's unrealistic to expect him to keep that up and get 38 goals by the end of the season. Um, but at the same time, I mean, <laughs> you never really know with Mo Salah, do you? You never know what Mo Salah you're going to get. But it's, it's, he's just an absolutely remarkable player. But going on to what you mentioned there about all these rumours about him leaving, I think I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here a little bit. You've got to look at the fact that he is 28 and there's every chance that a club like Real Madrid or Barcelona or possibly Paris Saint-Germain 
in utter desperation in in the same way that Barcelona came in for Coutinho offers an absolutely ridiculous amount of money. And I think Liverpool have, obviously the way they operate in the transfer market, they do look to try and, and keep net um, spending down and stuff like that. I think they will look at the, let's say they get a £150 million bid for Salah at 28. I think they would give that much more serious thought than a lot of other fans are saying that they would. I think Liverpool would seriously consider a bit of that sort of size because there is such a, oh, we want Mbappe, we want Sancho, we want the next generation of these incredible forward players. But the only way that Liverpool could raise the funds for that sort of bid is by selling one of the current front three for an obscene price. So if that does come in, I think it's an actu- it is a more of a dilemma than I think some people are making out of it. I'd agree. And I mean... I have just talked about him getting disrespected. Um, but funnily enough, if one of the front three were to go, I think I think Mo would be firstly the most likely to leave. And if I had to pick one to leave, I think it would be Mo as well, despite everything he's done. Um, I don't know why that, that that's the case. I think given the right wingers in the world, there are things with human down there in that corner. Yeah. I think just given, given, given the availability at right wing that, that the, there is in the world now, I think he'd be easier to replace than Nane. Um, and for me, Bobby's untouchable, like completely untouchable. Um, you get your say in a minute, Mick. Let Tim have a go. <laughs> oh, you're going to get called names in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, how does someone want to say that? I think the what's it three and a half years he's been here now I think that if you look at this stretch of three and a half years I think you'd find it hard in the history of this club to find a better three and a half year stretch for a player I really do I think that he's from from literally the moment go he has been absolutely absolutely sublime absolutely sublime and one of the keys to that is the fact that he's not been injured. He's been available almost constantly. You know, he broke his collarbone in the Champions League final, played another five minutes and then said, all right, I'm done. And literally from the first game the next season, he was there. He was ready and he was scoring goals, you know. He was, he's been absolutely sublime. I think he's one of the most underrated players and, and most hated on players that there, there's, there's been in a while. I think he's currently leading or has the highest percentage in terms of his goal um, contributions per game in the Premier League's history. And that's his, I think he's just, just edging out Thierry Henry at the moment. And that tells you what kind of calibre we've player we've had over the last three years. The fact that he's contributing more than the likes of Thierry Henry did for Arsenal tells you everything you need to know about what Mo Salah's about. I agree completely. Um, my little laugh is just when you said broken collarbone, I don't know if you guys have seen you watch fail army, but there's a video I saw the other day, and there's just a, a guy, an Australian guy, going broken collarbone. I, <laughs> I had that in a move in my head when you said Salah. But anyways, Mick, you, you were you were you were shaking your head very furiously at me moments ago. Uh, care to explain? It's all right. Don't worry about it. We'll, you know, we'll be we'll be at laugh six if I carry on. I want I want to go out too. <laughs> all right. So we're going to split this into two parts. We've only got three more players to touch on before we uh, before we get part two sorted at some time soon. But next, not really much to say about Dominic Solanke, is he? 
four million from Chelsea. I think it went to tribunal fee, wasn't it? Um, I think the, the best thing he did for Liverpool is, is getting the ridiculous transfer fee that he did back from Bournemouth. Um, I can't really remember him doing anything of note in anyone. I mean, he scored the fourth goal of four against Brighton. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much on the pitch, yeah. But as you say, the fact that he helped get us a, a really good profit, yeah, sound. Good piece of business from Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, Liverpool basically replaced Dominic Solanke with Jordan Shakiri, and we'll touch on Shakiri in part two, but he's done all right, hasn't he? Um, next is, oh, has to be one of the best signings, one of the most unexpected beasts that have emerged. Usually when you sign a defender from a relegated club, it doesn't bode well for you. Not in the case of Andy Robertson, who just came out of nowhere. And we were having defensive issues with Alberto Moreno at that point, And we were like, why are we signing Andy Robertson from relegated Hull? And it took all of what? Six months for him to shut everyone up. Michael, let you go first. We're out of words to describe Andy Robbo. He's just, I mean, we'd said before that um, this is Genie Wen Alden's best season. I'd, I'd argue it's probably Andy Robertson's best as well so far this season. He's been just a constant, even when we've not played well, he's always been the player who's played well. Like in, in the game, in the games where you think we've not we've won there, but we've not done great, he's always been the one. You're like, well, he he dragged us over the line from from left back. Like he's just what 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 a sign. And I mean, like we, of course, you doubt it when you sign a Scottish left back from a relegated club, and you think, well, how much of an improvement is that going to be? But it just goes back to Klopp and uh, and the scouting tactics and what they look for in a player. And he, he had all the tools and knew that he could make him into a world superstar. And 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 he is, and he is now. He's he's just what he is. It's for me, he's the left best left back in the world by a long way. Is his, his all round game is just off the charts. Like defensively going forward, his passing, dribbling, assists. He can score a goal. Tenacity, literally everything you want in a in a in a left back into the into in today's football, where fullbacks are quite prominent in in most attacks. He is the perfect example, I think. I remember what Pundit said the other day, like if Trent wants to get any better, he all he needs to do is look to the other side of the pitch and look at Andy Robertson's example. And that's the way he's going to get better because we all know how good Trent is and how good he can be and he's still a young kid. But his all-round game can be a lot better. And obviously when you look over to Andy Robertson, if he models his game on that, I think he's only he's only going to get better. But Robbo, I think he's still only like 20... Is he 26? Is he 25, 26? 26, yeah. Yeah, and it's just so that he, he can even still get better, which is a scary prospect. Like he, he is just an absolute monster, and he was a, like he now he's captain of his country, and we've got captains of the countries all over the the pitch, and and that's why we've gone on to win the, the Premier League and the Champions League. And he's just one of those characters and behind the scenes. And I don't know if you've watched that that Wingmen uh, program with him and Trent, which is absolutely hilarious. So you can imagine like the character he is like in a dressing room, like infectious, like just taking the piss out of everyone, but he backs it up on the field. Like, I love that moment where, uh, I think it was a uh, Club World Cup, wasn't it, where Rafinha had a go at Mane, and you saw Robbo, like, don't worry, Sadio, I'll sort him out. And then, like, 10 minutes into the second half, Robbo just nails him. And it's just <laughs> stuff like that, where it's like he's got everyone's back, and it's just, he, yeah, he's the, he's the best left-back we've had in the Premier League, and that's, yeah, the biggest compliment I can pay to him. Tim? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I think he's the best left back since Stevie Nichol. 
Um, I'm not a Scottish left back, but um, how to sum up Andy Robertson? You just get the feeling that he's you're not ever going to be able to drag him off a pitch. You know, he's he's you get the feeling he loves playing football. He's absolutely bombing. I don't think he's ever I've ever seen him jog. I think he sprints absolutely 100% of the time. You know, he spends his life bombing down that left wing and putting in, you know, superb balls. And he's he's been an absolutely fantastic. And again, for what, what was the number we signed him for? 10. 10. 10 million. You know, you're signing the best left back in the world for 10 million. Obviously, we didn't know at the time. But uh, it just, I mean, him, him and Mane are such a, a tenacious partnership on down that left flank. Just, I mean, they, those those two players might be the guys with the biggest work rate outside of Wijnaldum and Henderson on the team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our right side gets a lot of the credit, gets a lot of the plaudit. They get a lot, maybe the, you know, the biggest stats and stuff. But in terms of the effort and, you know, the, the all around, you know, just you, we're going to try and win or you're going to have to pull us off that pitch, off the pitch dead, you know. You know, Andy Robertson kind of personifies that. You know, he's he's just a, an absolute beast. Well, both you and, and Mick have said best left back in the world. That's that's clear, isn't it, Moxon? There, there is no one at the moment that even comes close to challenging him, is there? Yeah, I'll make it three. Um, he's, he is the best left back in the world. He's, he's, he's just, as you said, his, his all-round game. The fact that he's, yeah, as you say, another an, another leader on the pitch. He's He's always got your back. Um, and that's the sort of person that you'd want alongside you as a player, wouldn't you? And um, in terms of like an attacking fullback, it's the, the how good you are as an attacking fullback. It's not necessarily just the quality of your cross, like how good a cross you can put in. It's how consistently you can put that cross in. And Andy Robertson, he, he eight out of ten times the cross on that left hand side is absolutely perfect, and he's got a remarkable way of doing it in the sense that, and he said this himself, he can't hit a dead ball at all, really very well at all. But if that ball's moving, even if he's at full pelt down that left-hand side, he's just got this thing where he can just wrap his foot around that ball and just deliver the perfect ball pretty much every time. And um, no, it's just everything about everything about him is just, is just a, an incredible player and a really, really hard worker. And the standout moment for me is um, a couple of years ago against Manchester City, that run that he did down the left-hand side where they just kept passing it back and back and back and back to the keeper. And there's Robbo absolutely tearing straight at them the whole way. And I remember the, the applause that he got from the crowd just for doing that. And that was sort of the moment where we looked at him and went, we've got some, like, this This lad's going to die for the badge if he mm-hmm. needs to. He's, he's just a remarkable player. And it's incredible that it took him so long to, um, to get his place ahead of Alberto Moreno when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree that that's the that's the point where we all thought we've got a mad one that, that's that's living off of Iron Brew here. Um, yeah, he's an absolute. The fact that we got him for the same price, the whole pay for Kevin Stewart is just that'll go down as the biggest robbery in world <laughs> football. Yeah, well, so Moxon's given his 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 robber moment. Mick, yours? Um, I might have to come back to me on that one. Let me have a little think. Timothy. Pushing Messi's head. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to mention Villa. The Villa comeback. Oh, yeah. Too, but yeah. I mean, for me, for me, it was it was the Messi pushing Messi's head. You know, he'd gone and, you know, the, uh, for me, I, I didn't think Messi had been particularly good at Camp Nou. He scored a 
superb free kick and he scored a, a goal that fell to him on the line essentially. And he was christened as this it was this magical performance. And he comes to Anfield, Robertson puts in a tackle, runs past him and says, You know, <laughs> you're not you're not so special over here, mate. And that's that's what stands out for me. He's not scared of anything, not or anyone. Right. Yeah, I love what Tim just says. Well, I love an interview done. I don't know if it was recently or not, but he said that he regrets doing that because he just got caught in the moment and just then he realised I've just slapped the head of the best footy player in the world. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. Uh, I think yeah, I think like Dan said, the Villa Villa game, and I've just thought of another one where he scored that goal, capped off a boss goal against um, Salzburg. Yeah, try and give you a sister. Yeah, that that goal was just like poetry emotion. It was just just absolutely terrific, but. I think some of the assists, like Dan said, the, the assists he provides is just unbelievable. And I think he has got better at dead, dead balls because he started taking our corners, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Which we got that um, Bobby winner off. So I think he's been obviously been working on them. But yeah, that the ball at the last game against Palace where it's on literally on a sixpence to, to Bobby's feet and he scores. Like when you when you freeze that frame as Robbo hits it, you think, how is he gonna? Where's he gonna put this ball? And the fact that he put it literally into Bobby's path perfectly, and Bobby's at touch obviously is terrific and scores. But it's yeah, just another. That was just another moment in in the long catalogue of Andy Robinson's Liverpool career that just makes him. You, you just love him, and and like Dan's just said here, you love him more because rivals hate him. And that's literally it. He's like it's like Suarez. Like if he's on yours, you love him, but if he's against you, he's he's an obed. That's that's why we love him even more. To pick a different moment for the rest of you, I'd, I'd pick the one where he laughs in Kyle Walker's face because uh, Kyle Walker's giving it big and Robbo's just like oh. happy. Because <laughs> it's against Kyle Walker, who I think is a bit of a prick. Um, I'll, I'll pick that one. All right, and lastly, the 13th signing, nice little halfway point. Um, it's the Ock, 35 million from Arsenal in the summer, I think it's deadline day, 2017. Um, I think... We have to go to Moxlade Chamberlain first. It's only fair to Daniel Moxon. Go on, it's it was a weird one, Moxlade Chamberlain, when we signed because we don't very often make deadline day deals, do we? We obviously the the way that the recruitment team at Liverpool operates is all very very meticulous. It's all very well planned out in advance. Um, a lot of there's there's something that came out a couple of years ago that was said something along the lines of the recruitment team usually works three or four windows in advance, I think it said they did. So the fact that all of a sudden we're throwing £40 million at Oxlade-Chamberlain on deadline day, I think a lot of people were caught out by that a little bit. I know I certainly was. Um, but, I mean, in terms of his talent, it's completely understandable why we went for it. He's, he's outrageously talented and... Again, we talked at the beginning with Grujic about how he offers something different to the rest of the midfielders. And Oxlade Chamberlain's that that's very much the same can be said of him. He the way that he can I mean, obviously we talk about his long range strikes and how well he can hit a ball from distance and some of the outrageous goals that he scored. Um it's absolutely he's he's, he's superb from range. As soon as he gets within thirty yards, you'd think you'd put your house on him burying it in the top corner if he have a, if he has a go. But um his talent certainly worth the money, but obviously the, the one thing that we sadly have to talk about is the fact that we've just not seen that talent anywhere near enough because he's he's suffered with his body not being able to keep up with the demands really of, of how this Liverpool side plays. Yeah, I mean, he, unfortunately he is a, a little bit injury prone. I think we can say at this point he is a little bit injury prone. He always did going to pick up a few. He got unlucky with the initial ACL. I think it was against Roma a couple of years back. 
I mean, he's just had little muscle injuries here and there. Um, but we're finally getting to see him back. He's been in the squad the last couple of games. Um, if anything is different this time around, is that Liverpool have a, a hell of a lot of midfielders to be able to to rotate him. So hopefully we can see him. And you did say he's very different. He is just this direct ball of pace that he just gets the ball and drives at midfielders. And that's that's going to be vital for us going forward, isn't it, Mick? Yeah, it is. And it's like we've... We've got a lot of creativity in there, like like Curtis Jones coming through. That provides an extra level of it, and obviously with Thiago, I don't think he's back for West Brom, but he'll be back for Newcastle. That's just another element, and like you said, it's, we're not going to be over reliant on his creativity, Oxley Chamberlain in that midfield because we've got quite a bit in there now. So it's we're able to mix and match the midfield to tailor to tailor it to who whoever we face. But yeah, great player. It's just it is just a shame the way it's it's gone for him. Like I think I'm just looking at his stats now. He played 42 games in his first year, which is a bit mad. And then second year played two, third year played 43. And obviously he just pl- played his first game last week. Came on against Crystal Palace, didn't he? So up and down, you could say is the is the right is the right word to 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 some right words to sum up what he's what he's done so far. But like the goals he can score and like the Ball ball progression. That's that's the big thing he's good at. Like just picking it up, like Naby Keita style, picks it up and just drives. And that's what that's what makes defensive midfielders and defenders terrified. So he's he's great for that. And it's just willing them to stay fit because he's still he's still young enough to be in and in and around the squad. It's just the availability. Like I don't know if he like I know we've touched on it before. If if he keeps getting these injuries, there might come a moment where Klopp maybe has to be a bit more ruthless and maybe sell him. Because we can't have people like that just getting injured all the time and not being available. I mean, it's it is a bit ruthless to say that because he's obviously like Robbo is a huge character in, in the club and behind the scenes, always like making jokes and stuff like that. But we need him on the pitch to to cause damage. And if he's not going to be available more often than not, then it, we might have to have it. They might have to have a very serious conversation about where where his future lies in terms of that. But. I'm happy he's fit now. I'm happy he's available. I'm happy he can he can make a difference in 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 this team because he can, and I just hope he can can continue to do that. Like it's, we need him on the field. That's all, that's it. We just need him on there. And and once he gets back up to speed, because I mean, even in the I think he had 15 minutes against Palace, even in that, like you know, we got an assist for Salah, but he just it looked like he hadn't been away. And I mean, he just needs to take that in. And like we said, we've got loads of midfielders now, so we've he can just come on every like every now and then, half an hour against tired legs, and he can he can cause major damage. So I can't wait to see what he's what he's he's got a point to prove. I think, and I think ho- hopefully we'll see that this season. I mean, his quality—you can't deny the fact that he's been injured so often for Liverpool, and we've still been excited every time we, to, to see him come back and to get him reintegrated into the squad. And he's been around for what seems like absolute years but he's still only 27 so he should be with the good run of games hitting his peak round about now and I mean the idea of getting Oxley chamberlain back to his best and then him hitting his peak it's an exciting prospect isn't it yeah I think that he's he's another player who allows Klopp to give the midfield a bit of a different look um you know he Generally speaking, we've got a lot of hardworking midfielders who are able to play the ball. They're great. You know, they look like they've got a million years on the ball every time they touch it. And, you know, they've got a creative streak in them. You know, we've seen goals out of Henderson and, and Wijnaldum. And, and you know, most of them are, are, are get on the score sheet three, four, five, six, seven times a season. But I think Ox has that ability to... He He's just not shy. 
he just he doesn't look shy of any moment. He looks like every time he's on a ball, he looks like what can I create here that's going to end up in the in the net. And in a sense, that there there are going to be going to be times I think mixed right where we're playing against teams who are going to want to sit back and let us have touches outside the area and stuff. Where he comes on for half an hour and we see him put in one, maybe even two on on a good day from from thirty yards out because he's got that ability. And he's like I said, he's not shy about it. He's not he's not afraid to break that system of playing through the wings and crossing in balls. And I think that allows Klopp to to really kind of like put pressure on teams that are going to try and sit back against us. Because with the likes of Diago and Ox on a field, you feel like there are so many different ways that we can break down a squad, especially when they're putting six, seven, eight guys behind the ball. So, yeah, I think it's a massively different look. And um, I think he's key in that sense. I mean, Dan Jay's just said that he thinks the, the injury criticism is unfair on Ox. And- Maybe it is unfair to call him injury-prone as such, but he has had his fair few injuries since the cruciate. Like, he's had fitness issues where he missed four games for the Reds. He's had a hamstring injury, missed 34 days, six games. He's had a head injury. That's not his fault, poor lad. Uh, he's had an ankle injury that he missed four games as well. And now recently he's had a knee injury. He's just come back from him, missed 125 days. Like, maybe maybe uh, injury-prone is unfair, but he's definitely having this this, this trend that we were in the kick of, of picking up injuries. But I'm excited to see him back. I feel like, as we've seen with Thiago, Klopp's in no rush to to, to, to um, heal players up quickly. He wants them healing right. Um, and if, if he's getting reintegrated, then you can only feel like it's because he, he he's right. He's in he's in a good zone. And maybe he, maybe he scores a hat-trick at the weekend. Who knows? But before we sign off... Uh, Memory, key memory from Ox. I'll go to Oxley, Moxley Chamberlain again. Um, I think uh, if you have to pick a key moment, I think everyone would say the same, and it's that absolute cracker from distance against Man City in the Champions League. That 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 one was just an absolutely unbelievable goal. But if I were to go for another one, I would probably say the outside of the foot finish from the edge of the eighteen yard box against Ghent. That uh, or Genk, sorry. Is it Genk again? It was Genk, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah um, that just an absolutely obscene finish. It's just the the audacity to even attempt it, just remarkable. I think you've taken everyone's. Sorry, picture. sorry. Yeah. I knew I shouldn't have picked two. I was being greedy. <laughs> the other one I was going to pick was the one against the uh, Arsenal in the cup. Where it was like five five or whatever it was. That one was an as well. Yeah, that's not a bad one, Tim. Yeah, I mean, I I originally thought with the Man City one, and then I, as as Dan said, I said, oh yeah, the goal against Genk actually kind of I'll, I'll talk about that one, and then I was like, oh yeah, actually the to the five five against City, he's gone absolutely better. So they've actually <laughs> they've nicked all the mine one by one, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's 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 shown quality on on many occasions. That's kind of kind of takes your breath away. So well, I, any of those three? I mean, we're gonna pick a different one. I'll. I'll hold my hands up, I'll admit, during lockdown when that little dance of him boogieing up the stairs came out, I tried it, I fell on my face multiple times. Um, I'm still mesmerised by it, I don't know how he manages to pull it off, but you know what, fair play to him, the man's got moves. Yeah. <laughs> this was part you were, one. You were wearing your pink shoes while he tried it, were you? I was wearing the pink shoes, you've got to wear the pink shoes. The pink shoes are unfortunately been binned at this point, I listened to... Yay, Merry Christmas everyone! <laughs> I hope they were bare, but like some whiskey or like over fire. <laughs> anyway, this has been part one of the first 13 signings of Klopp. We've been going for an hour and 50, 
coming up in an hour 15. If we do the other 13 now, this is going to be a too long of a podcast. So we'll leave that for next time. And the those with a keen eye will see that the next signing is Virgil van Dijk. That's a great way to start the next podcast, isn't it? Can't wait for that one. Thanks to, to Tim, Danny and Mick for coming on. Um, not much to say, but Merry Christmas, everyone. Enjoy your... Enjoy the holidays and we'll let you know when Potsy's ready. Sports Social Podcast Network.